Hello and welcome to another episode of I'm Still a Mormon with your host, me. Uh, today we're going to talk about something that uh, I am very uh, fond of, and the uh, title of this topic is Revelation versus Inspiration versus Warm Fuzzies, and or Warm Fuzzy Feelings as uh, people call it. And what I'm going to share with you is my personal experience with these uh, different ways that we feel truth in the church. I'm not going, I'm not going to do a Sunday school lesson and go through scripture or church material. This is how I learned about these things myself, and I will share my personal experiences of, of how that happened. And I want to say right up front that I'm not special in any way. I'm not uh, Mormon royalty. I don't have a uh, family that's general authorities or anything like that. We are about as plain as plain can be in the gospel. My family does go back to Joseph Smith, and uh, we do have some connections to BYU that I won't even share. But other than that, we're about as plain as can be in the, in the gospel, and as well as I am. I have been a bishop. Uh, most of the experiences I will share with you tonight are about things that happened to me on my mission and after my mission. But um, now, why am I even talking about this? Those uh, people who have left the church really want people to, uh, to question or disregard what they call warm, fuzzy feelings that we all have in the church. And I'll explain that in detail um, later in the, in the podcast, but that's why I'm talking about this. Warm, fuzzy feelings uh, that... Basic, in a nutshell, the XMOs are saying, hey, everybody has warm, fuzzy feelings, so you can't use those to say the church is true. I agree with them. I don't think warm, fuzzy feelings are a good uh, indicator of a church being true. I think they're a great indicator of truth being taught, whether you're Baptist, whether you're Mormon, whether you're Catholic, whatever. That's what I think warm, fuzzy feelings are about, or the Holy Ghost. And I'll talk about that uh, as we go through the podcast. But uh, just an overview, my attempt at defining uh, revelation, inspiration, and warm, fuzzy feelings. Revelation, to me, the answer comes to you directly from God or Jesus. My experience is when this happens, there's no spiritual feelings, no emotion attached to that event. And this is why most people miss these. Basically, and I'll explain in detail, it's thoughts in your head that are not yours. I know that sounds kind of goofy if you're not used to that, but I'll explain through uh, how I figured this out on my own. Inspiration. Inspiration to me is uh, feeling good, about a choice, a concept, a decision. So it just feels right. It feels comfortable enough to move forward or believe in what you may be studying or deciding. So there's really no emotional thing involved. It's just you feel like moving forward. Warm fuzzies, I also call the Holy Ghost warm fuzzy feelings. Uh, that's more of a uh, physical, emotional experience. Uh, typically comes when truth is being heard or told or read 
and that truth resonates with your spirit and you have, we'll call it the burning of the bosoms, whatever you want to call it, but it's a, it's a more of a physical, emotional experience that all of us, I'm sure, have had one time or another. So those are the three things that I differentiate. Sometimes they're confused in the church. They all mean the same thing. I don't think so based on my experience, but hey, I don't care if you believe me or not. I'm just going to share what, I, what I've experienced, and you, you figure this out uh, on your own. So first, let's start with my experience with Revelation. I absolutely love Revelation. I believe in personal Revelation. Uh, it works, and it's what God wants us to truly have uh, available to us and wants us to receive uh, in my opinion, based on is the gospel true, uh, yes or no. Not based on a book, not based on a prophet, not based on anything. All those things are fine, don't get me wrong, but God wants us to receive direct, direct revelation, in my opinion, of is the church, the gospel, uh, true for you or not. And that's why I love uh, direct revelation. I think a lot of people in the church misunderstand by revelation, uh, members as well as leaders. So a, a brief background, when, when I went on my mission, I really, really wanted to know what revelation was. We always hear about it. There's plenty of talks on it. There's probably not a conference that goes by that we don't hear, you know, seek revelation. And once I got on my mission, I made it basically a personal goal early on in the mission to figure it out. And I knew I was going to have to figure out through trial and error because nobody ever told me how it works specifically. It's just go get revelation. Okay, well, how's that happen? How do I go get it? Uh, Nobody ever really told me. They just said it's important. So I figure uh, the best chance of finding out, for me, what revelation uh, looked like or what it was, was while I was doing church stuff 24-7 on my mission. And so that's what I decided to do very, very early on. And at first it wasn't going well <laughs> until I had what I call a pre-revelation missionary experience. And that kept my faith kind of up a gear. And that pre-experience, pre-revelation experience caused me not uh, to doubt. It kind of took the doubt about all this away from me and it gave me that increased drive and belief that I would actually learn what Revelation was. And let me briefly tell you my pre-Revelation mission experience. So I was, uh, it was my first area, I was being trained and I had a typical mission trainer like most missionaries have when they go on their mission, uh, Johnny Slidrill that worshiped every role. And I spent most of my time telling my trainer that no, we are not gonna go to hell because we stayed too long uh, in a, a convert teaching lesson or worked too hard uh, and forgot the time and didn't get home on time. He was very, very much a stickler with the rules. And I was just trying to <laughs> help him out and say, no, that's not what the rules are about. The rules are about if you're screwing off on purpose, yeah, that's not a good thing, but we're working hard. We're doing what we're supposed to do. 
We worked very, very hard. We actually led the mission in pretty much every stat. And back in my mission, we kept 26 plus stats uh, from how many doors you knocked on to, you know, what you gave away, baptisms, you know, any, anything. When I say what you gave away, I mean pamphlets or Book of Mormons or whatever. Uh, we kept stats for everything. And we worked very, very hard. And I was told as a, a green missionary that if you work very, very hard, that's how you get baptisms. If you do the work, you are blessed with success. Success equals baptisms. So we're, we're cranking right along, uh, basically working our tail off. And we are seeing lots of success. I cannot remember the number, but we had approximately uh, six to eight people committed for baptism in the first couple couple months. And where we uh, were serving, that was a lot. Uh, that wasn't uh, typically normal. And so I'm feeling really great. And I'm like, hey, this stuff works. You work hard, you will see success, which is baptism, because we've got six to eight people here committing to be baptized. Well, those who went on missions know that a commitment to baptism versus actually getting in the water sometimes are two different things. One by one, all of these uh, commitments fell through for one reason or another, all of them. And to top it off, my brand new uh, bicycle, and we rode bikes back then. I'm sure they still do today every once in a while. Absolutely brand new bicycle. This must have been weeks old. Uh, was stolen um, outside of a grocery store. My fault. I didn't lock it up. I, I was trustworthy. So my bike got stolen. Everybody uh, dumped us as far as baptisms. And life was bad. I had a super, super bad attitude. I mean, really bad attitude because I was questioning God. I'm like, wait a second. We did everything. We had six to seven people committed for baptism. It all went south. What's going on, God? And with that bad attitude, my companion tried to build me up by saying, hey, why don't you pick where we go tracting? And I'm like, I could care less about picking where we go tracked because I don't even want to go tracking. I mean, I cannot stress the fact how bad my attitude was at this point. But my companion trainer, because it's already, he kept uh, prodding me on to make me feel good and say, hey, no, you pick and it'll be great. And we'll, you know, let's go get them. And I had uh, my hands in my pocket and I'm pacing the apartment and I'm just really, really not in a good mood. And I, and I feel some change in my pocket. And I, the, my companion had our our map of the area, and he's begging me to come pick a place. And because my attitude was bad, I grabbed uh, whatever coin was in my hand, and I tossed it on the map, and I said, let's go there. And uh, the, the dime actually landed on an area in our, in our area, and uh, so we went there. I was, I was thrilled to death because it was far away, so I knew we'd had a, a nice long bike ride uh, to get there. So once we got there, my comp, again, trying to make me feel good, says, well, you pick the door. Well, because I had a bad attitude, the, the dime actually landed on a, a pretty large uh, apartment complex and uh, that we had not uh, tracked before. And uh, so <laughs> being the bad attitude that I have, I went to the farthest door in the farthest building that I could find. And we parked our bikes and said, let's start here. And uh, we knocked on the door, and I'm like, hey, we're from the church. We're missionaries. I'm sure you don't want to hear a message. 
uh, you know, you know, something like that, you know, right? And the woman opens, when the woman opens the door, um, she's like, so you're from the, you're from the church? And I'm like, yeah, we're from a church. And she's like, uh, come in. And I was kind of, you know, surprised by that because she acted like it, she was expecting us. And so as we uh, did the small talk and all that, uh, they had just been praying to have God send them messengers from his church on the earth because they couldn't find it on their own. And we knocked on the door. I don't believe it. I was there. I experienced it. And I couldn't believe it. So this dime lands on a map. And the first, and we and we go there, and I literally just picked up because I'm lazy, and didn't want to track. I picked the farthest door I could find, and that is a woman who just got done praying to have God send them. So she's like, "Are you from the church?" Um, when we answered yes, it was her her uh, prayers were answered, and she was baptized. So. That taught me a lot about doubting God and all those things. And I was on quite a spiritual high. And that's my pre-revelation story that I think you needed to hear to understand my revelation story and how my doubts were basically out the window at that point. After experiencing that, there was no doubt in my mind I was going to figure out what revelation how it worked, what it was. I just didn't, didn't know the outcome. So off we go. And we, I get transferred uh, to a new area, new companion. And when we're there, the, again, I'm on the spiritual high. The area has not baptized for quite a while, several months, small town. And I'm still trying to figure out Revelation. So my, I'm again still obviously junior companion. I'm still fresh out. My companion is doing the uh, typical morning companionship prayer before we leave. And we're kneeling and he's praying vocally. And I decide to pray in my mind. And as I pray, I, and I'm on this spiritual high, I basically said, God... Um, you know, paraphrasing my experience. Uh, Again, my my cop's praying out loud. I'm not paying attention. I'm just praying in my mind. I'm like, God, uh, we haven't baptized here forever, it sounds like. I know you know who is ready for baptism in this town. Just tell me who it is. Now, um, I know it sounds lazy, (laughs) And it is a little bit. Hey, I don't want to go do the work, God. Just tell me who it is. We'll take care of it. And as I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm not, I don't know what to expect. Again, I have not figured Revelation out. And so he's still, my comp's still praying, and I'm just listening. And I'm listening for a phone call. I'm listening for a door knock. I'm listening for a voice. I'm listening for an angel. I don't know what might come or might not come. Um, but I'm just focusing on an answer. And a name pops into my head, just like a normal thought. And and it's felt like a random thought. There wasn't anything special about this, this name. 
there wasn't any spiritual experience. It literally was just like a thought into my head. It was a thought into my head. It wasn't like it. It was a thought into my head. And I didn't know if that was an answer to my prayer, if that was revelation. Again, I have not experienced this before. So my comp says amen, and we start uh, going out working. Uh, typical um, missionary stuff. Since I'm the junior, I'm following my comp around on his bike. We're doing our thing, whatever he wants to do, go visit people, whatever we're doing. While I'm following him, I'm just kind of really thinking about that name that popped in my head. Uh, and basically kind of going, was it anything? Is there anything to that? Is there nothing to that? Uh, was that revelation? I'm just trying to figure it out. And what am I supposed to do with that? So, and the name, <laughs> funny enough, the name could have been, and it was just one name. It wasn't two names. Just one name, and it could actually be a first name or last name, you know, to add confusion to the whole thing. And so I was, I was a little reserved stopping my companion, my senior companion, saying, because he didn't know I was trying to figure out Revelation. He didn't know I was, you know, I didn't, you know, all that stuff I did not share with him. But it bugged me enough that finally I just I yelled at him, say, hey, pull over. We pulled over, and I'm like, hey, I've been trying to figure out Revelation. While you were praying, I was praying in my head, and this is what happened. A name popped in my head. I don't know if it means anything, but I just want to check with you, let you know that it happened, and, I, you know, I'm not real sure what to do with it. And so I told him the name, and I said, does that, does that ma name mean anything uh, to you? And he says, uh, no. So at that point, I'm kind of, I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. And he kind of looks at me like I'm a little crazy. And, you know, like, so a name came to your head, big, big whoop to do. I can't believe you stopped me. Let's go back to work. And I'm like, well, how about uh, check the ward list? Because we always carried the ward list in our area book and things like that. I said, check the ward list and see if that name matches uh, anybody on the ward list. So he looks at it, nothing. And uh, so I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll just ask the other obvious question. Is there a street in this town with that name on it? So he pulls it out, pulls out the map again in our area. He's looking and, uh, and nothing. There's, there's not a street with that name on it uh, either. So uh, three strikes, um, I'm out. That's all the ideas I had. Uh, so we kind of just went back to work. And I basically kind of forgot about it and kept trying to figure out what Re Revelation is. So about um, three, uh, a month to a month and a half uh, later, uh, we were in a small branch, a small town, small branch. About a month, month and a half later, uh, one of the convert members, and she was been a convert for a while, uh, was at church. And after church, she introduces us to a friend. And uh, she says this friend would like the missionary lessons. And we're like, oh, great. So we set up the lessons and we started to teach this friend. And we, we taught pretty aggressively on our mission, tried to get him through uh, the lessons pretty quick. So within about three weeks, this person had accepted 
uh, to be baptized. Now, most mission missionaries are thrilled to death, but during that whole time, through all the discussions, I don't think she asked us one question. Not one question. And that was a little uh, odd to me. And uh, quite frankly, uh, when they agreed to be baptized, uh, I was a little bothered because of the fact that they never asked a question. It just didn't seem right uh, to me that we were having them take that step, that very important step, um, and not asking us anything. So uh, the person got uh, interviewed for baptism and everything was a go, and the, except to kind of plan the service. So we rode our bikes over to the branch president's house uh, to plan the service. And I still remember to this day on the bike ride over, just kind of wondering if we're doing the right thing. Not that I was going to stop anything. It just, you know, I wasn't going to go, hey, I don't think we should baptize the person. But I just was feeling kind of, golly, I wonder if we're doing the right thing. Uneasy, whatever you want to call it. So we get to the uh, branch president's house to plan the baptism. About two months, two minutes into this meeting, of course, the branch president says, well, what's the name? And so we tell uh, him the first name. And then he looks at us like, okay, uh, what's the last name? And I turned to my comp and I'm like, uh, hey, what's the last name? He's like, I don't know. And I'm like, I don't know the last name either. And I can see that the branch president was kind of a little uh, like, really, guys, you're baptizing somebody, you don't know the full name. And we didn't. And so um, we knew, I, I, as we're trying to rack our brain to go, yeah, we don't know the last name. I asked my cop, I'm like, hey, uh, pull out the baptismal interview, uh, recommend, and the name's on there. So problem solved, we got the name. So I'm talking about the services and, and with the branch president, and my comp's taking a little time, a little extra time, too long of a time with the name, which I thought was odd. So I turned back to, to ask him what the deal was, and he had this look of shock, like he just saw a ghost or, I mean, he was just very concerned about something. His mouth's wide open. And I'm just like, what is going on? And he tells me uh, that the name, and yes, it's, it's the name that we were seeking for about uh, three weeks before. So, very amazing an experience, if you can imagine. Uh, of course, I was thrilled to death that now I knew the person was uh, for sure ready to be baptized. That, that whole anxiety went out the window in a very real way. And I was super excited that I got personal revelation. And in a way that I was told the name of the person that was getting baptized next before we even met her. So you can imagine how I felt about that and how excited I was um, to figure out Revelation. Now here's some things I want you to, to, to understand that's different in this story. I was praying to God in my mind while my companion was speaking uh, out loud his prayer. 
the answer came while before we got up. So I don't want to say it was instant, but it was quick. There were no feelings involved, no spiritual event at all. It was literally just the thought in my head. And I think that's all very, very important. I didn't expect that. I didn't know what was going to happen. I just had the belief based on my experience before about God um, coming through on his promises. I just knew I would, I would learn what Revelation was, whatever it ended up being. I was thrilled to death that it was this simple and, uh, and just thoughts. Now, can you get revelation other ways? Sure, some people uh, get it in dreams, some people hear a voice, uh, things like that. I'm just telling you what happened to me and continues to happen to me uh, since, uh, long since, you know, my mission. I've been home for more than probably, you guys have been alive. And over the years, I've actually, uh, as I've used a revelation, I've become uh, better at knowing my thoughts versus revelation. And it's, it's tricky, but kind of a simple way uh, to figure this out is when you're asking uh, for specific revelation. And it's not, to me, to me, revelation is being told something you don't know. Uh, like in my story, uh, I was told the name of someone who I have not met who is going to be baptized in the future. To me, that's personal revelation. I'm not saying, is the church true, yes or no. It's, I, I need an answer that you have to give me to get the answer. Hopefully that uh, makes sense to you. I'll give you another story, because uh, I used uh, Revelation for not just church stuff, but personal stuff. And I got stuck in a snowbank once uh, when I was going to work one early, early morning. And this is back when, if you were late for work, uh, your job was in, in jeopardy, pre-cell phones, couldn't call anybody and say I was late. I'm on the freeway stuck in a snowbank. I am doing everything I can to get out of the snow, and I cannot do it. I'm trying to wave people down to pull me out. I'm doing everything I can. It's earlier in the morning. It, the sun's not up yet, so it's dark in Utah. And finally, I, in, my, in my desperation, I said, God, I have to get myself to work. I can't be late. I've tried everything. I know you know how to get this car out of the snow. Tell me. And he told me through my thoughts. And I chuckled. And I'm like, oh my goodness. What a crazy idea. I did what he told me to. And I was out of the snow in less than two minutes. And what he told me to do was get my jack out, jack up the front of the car. The front wheels were up on the snowbank, and I couldn't get the car back off. He said, "Jump, jack up the car, push the car off the jack. And that's what I did, and I was out in two minutes. I would have never thought to do that. That's how I know that was revelation. I would have never thought that. I did everything I could think of to get out, and it didn't work until I prayed and got that revelation. So it can work in religious stuff, it can work in non-religious stuff, and it has for years and years and years. So revelation. Inspiration, I think most of the listeners have experienced this. You just feel like something is 
good, right, whatever you want to call it, and you move forward, forward on that uh, choice uh, based on your own whatever. Um, no really warm, fuzzy feelings, no voice of God. You just feel inspired to move forward with something. I think we've all experienced that. Uh, Holy Ghost, warm, Holy Spirit, warm, fuzzy feelings. While I was on my mission, I was, uh, we were actually allowed to go out of the churches. Uh, I know most missionaries couldn't go to other churches, but we were allowed to, so I went to other churches. And at one of these particular churches, I noticed a, a younger girl, uh, younger than us, but not much, a couple years uh, younger than us, and she was clearly having a spiritual experience. Uh, you could just tell. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, okay, how can that be? How can you, how can you have a warm, fuzzy feeling, witness of the Holy Ghost in the wrong church? And as I thought about that as a missionary, because I didn't question that she wasn't having one, that there was no doubt in my mind, uh, she and I'm sure other people in that service were having a personal spiritual experience. And But as I thought on that, I, I just came to the conclusion that warm fuzzies uh, obviously are not something that only Mormons uh, have access to. And basically, as we all know, the Holy Ghost is there to testify of truth, uh, whether that truth is uh, something you're hearing in the Baptist Church, the Catholic Church, the Lutheran Church, whatever. Mormons do not own spiritual experiences, uh, not not just God's true church will you have those experiences. All people who worship and seek the truth will have access to that. And uh, that, that makes complete sense to me. Now, I'm sure most of the listeners have had some experience like that, warm, fuzzy, whatever you want to call it, Holy Ghost. And that's great. But the Exmos, the people who have left the church, will try to have you dismiss those feelings as not uh, really proof that the church is true. And I agree with them. I absolutely agree with them because that is more teaching you that the doctrine uh, is true that you're hearing and not necessarily the church that, that the doctrine is in uh, is true. And that's why a Baptist can feel that, a Catholic can feel that, a Lutheran can feel that, a Muslim can feel that, um, all those things. So just be careful because if your testimony foundation is, is the Holy Ghost, which is not bad, you might start questioning um, that as those who have left the church, well, I can feel the Holy Ghost in other religions, so that means other religions are okay. Other religions are, are perfectly fine, but this is God's church. This is the one he restored. This is the church who he told me that person was to join through revelation. He didn't tell me this person was going to join the Baptist church. He told me this is the person that's joining this church, which was a huge testimony builder for me, along with my dime on a map story before that. But... I would challenge everybody as, as to, to figure out personal revelation because that is the key to staying in the gospel no matter what comes your way. So your faith 
is not in a man, it's not in a scripture, it's not in events, it's your faith is based on revelation from God to you and nobody, as hard as they want to try, can take that away from you. And I hope that helps. Thanks for listening.